Hello and welcome to A Sporting Discussion, your podcast that discusses sports of all sorts. I'm Andrew Donison, and finally, after a few technical glitches here at ASD Stadium, <laughs> I'm joined by the wonderful AJ Mithen. Andrew, how are you? I'm too used to being back at the ASD Beach House. It's good to be back in suburbia. Yes, I get to see you face-to-face rather than hear the seagulls and the crashing waves whilst I was stuck in an office, but not that I'm bitter, not that I'm bitter at all. It's the real heroes that make the real sacrifices. Exactly. Speaking of real heroes, what are we going to talk about this week? What a segue. This Wow, that was impressive. (laughs) This week, Andrew, is AFL in crisis? Is this where I jump in? No, hang on, I'm going through the topics. Okay, fine. We're also going to have a look at the first round of Socceroos squad cuts for the World Cup next month in Russia. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's getting close. Very close. Less than a month. I can can almost feel the lack of sleep. (laughs) We're going to talk about the new Aussie cricket coach. That's, mm. that's going to be fun. I, I can I can see the notes. I'm looking ahead. That's going to be good fun. We're going to talk about Cameron Smith, who's retired from representative rugby league duties, and uh, you are throwing in a fast five, I believe. Give us just a taste of what that is. Kevin. Kevin. All right. Uh, I want to start with something, AJ. I want to well, start that, with... That, that'll help. I want to start with Kaltex. Kaltex is a marketing promotion by the petrol service station... Uh, company Caltex, who have transformed five of their biggest stores around the country, and they've changed the the signage from Caltex to Cahill Tex, back like, cashing in on the upcoming World Cup. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, I guess. Oh, so, hang on, but there's <laughs> been there's been some issues, hasn't there, AJ? Well, it's interesting, Andrew, because the work to do these. To do these stations over started the day before the squad was named mm. uh, with huge conjecture over Tim Cahill's uh, fitness and suitability to be chosen in the squad because he hasn't played uh, since he left Melbourne City to get more game time. Uh, he went over to Millwall in the championship and he's played maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes all up or something like that. Something like 159 minutes yeah, in total. something like, like that. Bugger all. No goals, no goal mm. assists. So... Caltex in their release said, Today's announcement follows news that Cahill is on track to be selected once again to play for Australia's national team next month in what will be his fourth consecutive FIFA World Cup campaign. Now, AJ, Mm. there are suggestions that the FFA have been in cahoots with a multinational company uh, to ensure that Tim Cahill is selected just so that his marketing promotion is able to to go ahead. Do you believe this conspiracy theory? Oh no, I believe. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, you I believe do. David Gallup when he says, "Just look at Tim Cahill's record, and you can understand why Caltex would be so thrilled to put Cahill Tex on their branding, whether or not Tim was in the squad." It stinks. Doesn't yeah, it? so that, that's a bit. <laughs> I've got to say though, like actually, well, I'll, I might say this for a bit later, but I, Tim Cale should be in the squad. I think, regardless of Jamie McLaren, who seemed to be the last mm. man dropped, regardless of his form, his minutes, he just deserves because he could come on in the 89th minute and score a winning goal for Australia to go through. He's got that capacity. But what has been the reaction? 
to this. It, it's it's not been a positive one, has it? Well, it, the, neither it should be because it stinks. Like I said, the things with the service stations were getting upgraded before the squad was announced to the world. Mm. Uh, something like that, a huge PR campaign like that. It doesn't just start doesn't at happen, 6 a.m. It doesn't the day start before. at 6 a.m. the day before. That's months of planning and collateral and working out designs and all sorts of things and legal requirements because they would have had to the go name. to Caltech's head office and all oh, of that. Yeah. Um, and they would have had to get a sign-off from timkaleenterprises.com. Yeah, is that, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think What was any... more interesting, though, when the squad was announced uh, at 6 a.m. Uh, this <laughs> week, I think, it was, I think it was on Tuesday, but don't quote me, uh, Sunrise, Channel 7 Sunrise, was at one of the Kale Tech uh, Kale service stations, just conveniently, with a whole just, bunch of kids wearing Socceroos gear and all that. So, just to add to more of the, the stinking. So it's fairly obvious that the announcement of the 26-man squad, cut down from 32, has, was compromised. I don't think it was compromised. I don't think that the FFA and Caltex and Sunrise and the Cash Cow all sat around and said, "Well, let's just let's just make sure that Tim Kale is in so that you can have your good promotion." Of course they did. Yeah, Cash Cow's dirty as hell as well. Uh, so, but the, the fact they only did it at five sites around the country, maybe they were a bit conservative. If there was, if they did it at all of them, <laughs> the, the, the reason it's only at five sites is because the FFA has no freaking money, Andrew. <laughs> So, uh, well, that's the other thing. Who's, do we know who's paid for this? Did they, is it a market employee from the FFA? Is it Caltex? Who, why, the, it, well, Caltex are the sponsors of the Socceroos. The Socceroos. Yeah. But why would they pay? I don't know. Yeah, but they can't call themselves Yedinac Tex or anything. So, Cahill Tex just fits. Yeah, okay. I think that it's just it's completely innocent and people are just looking for something. Absolutely stinks to me. All right. Well, let's move on to the squad itself. Yes. And let's start at Tim Cahill. He's been selected for his fourth consecutive World Cup. Which, let's, you know, all rotting aside, is a really, really good achievement. And if he scores in the World Cup, I think he's one of only three men to ever do it or something like that. Miroslav Closer, Pele, Tim Cahill. Yep. Cahill Tex. Cahill Tex. <laughs> but all, all he needs to do is actually get on the field at some point. And Jamie McLaren, who's been playing in Scotland, he scored a hat-trick in the last game of the season uh, against Rangers. So he's, to be he's fair, in form. You and I could score a hat-trick hat against Rangers right. at the moment in the Scottish League. Um, okay, so the name like, doesn't carry as much weight as it used to? No, it does not at all. Uh, McLaren's been in really, really good form. Mm-hmm. Only problem is he's got Scott McDonald syndrome. Knocking him in for fun in the Scottish League, but when you put the Socceroos jersey on, uh, the wide-open goal goes begging. Uh, I think I was reading some stats, and I'm not going to go looking for them now, but there was something like in the Socceroos, uh, in Socceroos games, McLaren's touched the ball 30 times in something like, oh, he's played 200 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Touched the ball 30 times, had zero shots on goal. So that's so. There's a reason why he's not selected. The coach, Bart Bert von Marwijk, uh, yeah. is obviously by picking Cahill and Tommy Urich and guys like Nikita Rukovica and uh, the others. He's picking, uh, kind of looking for a Vaduka, like we all were, someone who's going to stand up, hold the ball while everyone else runs around them. Yeah, but 
Yeah, because that's the, we, that's not how Ange wanted to play it, but that's that is the way how they're going to play it. From well, the, there we from go. From the look of things, actually. So that that's a a good thing to talk about is what is the style of football that the team's going to play? We know that the coach has only been installed for the World Cup. Uh, that it'll oh, be look, just for this, and in tournament play is different to qualifying. Well, he's already said, um, and it's been shown in the first... He's only been in charge for one friendly against Norway where we got ploughed 4-1. Mm-hmm. Um, but Van Marwijk has said that they're going to be reactive. They're going to be... Uh, you know, park the bus, I guess, is the term we want. Yep. Because we were leaking goals while we were knocking the ball around everywhere. As soon as the opponents touched it, they'd score, basically. Uh, against, Ange, top Ange, level, against the top-level teams. Yep. So Van Marwijk is taking things right back to right back to basics, the pragmatic, grim... Uh, well, this, this is just me predicting, by the way. Um, That's all right. That's what we're here for. That uh, it's going to be tough, solid, hard defence... A target man like Urich or um, I'm trying to remember the name, Nabu Petrados, one of those guys. Yep. Uh, Rogic, even, Tom Rogic, um, just to basically stand there and get battered into so, while as everyone. You said, play the Viduka. Yeah, play the Viduka. Um, now, I could be wrong and I hope I am, but uh, it's. I think Van Marwijk sees that as the only way he's going to get any results in this because if he tries to take these teams on and remember we've said this repeatedly over and over and over again mm. and we said this with uh, Jonathan Howcroft last week if you haven't listened to that tune in last week's show mm-hmm. um, we're playing three of the very best teams in the world I France, think it's Peru, three, Denmark, three three of, of the top, the top 12? 12 in the world yeah. in our group so <laughs> It, it, it's not easy, and as you say, like, they can't play that overly attacking style because we've seen it time and time again, not just under Ange, it's going back years, that the most dangerous time for the Socceroos to concede is just after they've created a really good chance. Mm. And and I think... Uh, and other teams know that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so I think Van Mike is just going to go, right, let's be a little bit more conservative or maybe a lot more conservative, because it's tournament play. We've just got to get through, or try, to get through to the next round. Mm. Well, can't argue with that. Interesting times in the AFL, the Australian Football League at the moment, on and off the field. The league's stuffed. The game's stuffed. It is. Everything's stuffed. Well, it is stuffed. It is not. It is. No. Bloody panic, (laughs) merchants. There's been a lot of uh, complaining about the quality of the product on the field, and there is no doubt, you're an AFL apologist, but you can't deny that off-field, the league is having an absolutely stuffed Dinker of a year. Oh, off the field, I don't really get into to that. I'm sure that like it's until they till the till they fix the fixture, I'll I'll be continually disgusted. Well, with, they'll never with do. them. But I'm talking about on the field, and that's what all of the the talk back and all of the rubbish TV shows that just go. Oh, there's too much congestion. The ball movement. This we need zones. We need that. They used to be better back in the day. Everyone is harking back to one piece of play in one match in 1986 that they remember being awesome and just going, oh, I wish it was like that. There were so many terrible matches back then. It's just that they weren't televised 
like they are now. They weren't analysed like they are now. There wasn't a video camera or sorry, not one. There wasn't 15 cameras at every single game. You go to Moorabbin and St Kilda in a bog and tell me that that was a better match than even the worst St Kilda match you've seen at the moment. Well, Please. obviously it was because people are saying that that's, uh, that's the way they want to go back. But guess that's what? That's truism. You've just gone off on your rant about the on-field product, but mm-hmm. we got quite a lot of feedback through the social channels at ASD underscore radio on the Twitter or Facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. A lot of people got in touch. Now, we're going to read a few, but not a great deal. And I, I'm going to say just before we do, I think that this is a, a little bit of a Tip of the cap to our to our listeners and our followers because a lot of it is, as you were saying before, about the off field rather than the on field. Yeah, so, people pay attention to stuff. Why yeah. don't you pick one at random and kick us off here? Uh, Rowan Dixon. The big problem for me is how much pervasive influence the broadcasting deals have. All these directives from AFL House about how the game is played, to me, is all about the TV spectacle, which is probably a very known known already, but the media never questions it. Well, that's interesting. Mm. That's, not a, that's not an AFL-only problem either. Um, no. Sports leagues all over the world are dictated to by their broadcast partner. Oh, yeah. Brisbane Broncos. Hello. (laughs) Friday night Broncos. Thursday night Broncos. (laughs) Um, Rowan's right, though. Mm. The media never question it because they're feeding off it. And we'll get to that because, like I said, we got a lot of feedback. Yes. Yep. One uh, one from you. Let's lean back to the TV. Justin Kearney. Justin Carney. Sorry. Apologies to anyone's surname who we butcher tonight. Uh, I'm a Donison. Mine always gets wrong. You're a myth and you get it wrong as well. Everything's wrong. Uh, TV ratings have dropped across free-to-air and pay TV this year by well over 10%. Justin says, Justin, it's actually closer to 15% for pay television for the AFL. Uh, Sex scandals and cover-ups, allegations of harassment and racism. I'm so glad you wrote allegations there, Justin. Mm -hmm. Hush money. Grant Thomas claiming he was not allowed to reveal any negative stories on radio. No, I think the game's going well. Yeah. Oh, and a few, a few solid points made by Justin. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, the off-field stuff at various clubs has been extremely interesting. And that that issue of alleged hush money... Well, it's not alleged hush money. The, C- the, the hush CEO money. came out and said, this is the way we want to do business. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Paraphrasing allegedly. Alle- yes. <laughs> yeah. So, Ian Harkin... Uh, is it in crisis? Hardly. They make lots of decisions that people don't agree with, and some of the games have been ordinary, but they're rolling in money, and lots of people still watch the games on TV and at the grounds. If the AFL is in crisis, it's a crisis the other three football codes wish they were in. Now, that's, that's an interesting one, because mm. AFL has a lot of people, a lot of eyes on the screen, even though it's down year on year. AFL has a lot of bums on seats, but, can they, with that 18, 15, 18% drop in viewership, can they actually go, nah, we're fine because we've, we look at the numbers? Like the, the fact that it's dropping is a concern. The fact that it's dropping is a concern because it is hard work watching a whole game of Aussie Rules football this season. Do you think? Even though you're convinced that it's the greatest season in history. Oh, well, thank you. Trying to sit there and watch three and a half, three hours, a three hour broadcast is just boring. They go stoppage to stoppage to stoppage and even when the game's free-flowing, people were raving about last Friday night Sydney versus Hawthorne game. Mm. The scoring for that was pretty much the same as every other game that's been panned as being oh, so rubbish high, all year. So high scoring equals good football. Oh, right, apparently. Eh? According to you, right. Yeah. Eh? Um, yeah, 
I don't know. I think. Do you know, I, can, can I can yeah, I suggest something? Go on. Maybe because all of these games have been available to everyone to watch on TV. Maybe now people are stopping watching as a neutral person. They're only now starting to just watch their own team and a few other good matches, whereas previously with the novelty of being able to watch everything they would watch more games and that's led to the drop-off. That doesn't explain the crowds being down a little bit. I didn't go on Friday night because it was cold and rainy and I didn't want to do it. Oh, do you want to cuddle? Do you know what I think the AFL's problem is? What's that? We'll get to that after we talk Ooh. about Sean McLaughlin. Okay. Sean McLaughlin says, The game is in crisis because it seems to want to be. There's no better way to dominate the headlines than letting the headline writers think they're the ones running things. Oh. That is a beautiful, con- not a, not even a conspiracy. That's a, what's that? I like that's a, that. Yeah. That's an inception moment right there. <laughs> so the... AFL feeding the chooks. Yeah, yep. wants the game to be seen as in crisis because crisis sells papers. It's a gutsy move because I'm not sure how many newspapers the AFL own outright. They definitely own a few writers and a few a few uh, newsrooms. But no, uh, anyway, that's interesting, Sean. Yeah. But anyway, I'll get back to what I. Well, Related to that, Dan Jarvis, no surprise packets emerging, results consistent with expectations, media has nothing to write about. The game needs a scandal as the press can't write analysis and column size allocated to matches has has dwindled over the years. That's a really good... Do you know what... But there are a lot of... There there have been a few scandals. Do you know what rugby league does really well still? Game analysis, match analysis. Oh, okay. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Actually, the AFL's... Pulling closer to the yeah, of a scandal. Um, game analysis, match analysis. Yep. Um, there's still the stories about um, a specific player and what they did in a game or anything like that. But there's still, for all of the crisis writing and all of the, you know, the game is screwed and all that for rugby league. And NRL loves a crisis. NRL loves a crisis. There's still enough writing out there looking at the actual game and what's going on and telling people what happened in the game. Hallelujah. That's what the AFL want. AFL have definitely walked away from that. Oh, God, yeah. I think a big... uh, One of the things that... I'll get to it now. Okay. One of the things that the AFL has brought on itself is trying to become an agent of social change. Okay. They're getting behind big uh, progressive movements for one thing or another. I've got no opinion either way on whether they should or shouldn't. Right. All I'm saying here is when they get behind things like... Uh, uh, what what sort of rounds there were? Didn't we just have? A well, so Hawthorne and Sydney had the Beyond Blue Cup. Beyond Blue Cup. Well, that doesn't matter because the clubs organised that. Okay, but the AFL are positioning themselves as more than just a sporting league. Is probably what I'm trying to say here. They want to they want to position themselves as a sort of organisation that changes people's behaviours. Oh, okay, so you one of those puts them on the straight and narrow about things they should be doing in their lives. So you one of those sports and politics don't miss. Get politics out of sports. Uh, Just stick to the sports. Be more sportsing. Maybe. Actually, if the AFL worried about being more sportsing at the moment, that things would probably be going a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I like yes. the fact that they. Use but when their they bring position. it on, but when they do things like that, and then they fire two senior executives for sleeping with oh, their yeah. workers, and then the CEO comes out and says, "Hey, paying people off if you sexually harass them is the way to do business." Yeah, does, oh, this does not compute. No, it does not compute. But the thing is, I like the fact that they are such a big organisation. They are a, a pervasive organisation, particularly in Melbourne, and they use that position to try to uh, support 
cultural change. Yeah, that's, I, don't, I, don't that's, like, I don't mind no, that no, at no. all. Yeah, that's all fantastic. But walk the walk. Talk yes, the talk. So exactly. Don't come out the next day and go, oh, by the way, but, yeah. uh, we may have agreed to pay a hundred grand to tell Just, someone to go away. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna not going to uh, disagree with that. Mm. AJ, we had a comment from just a regular Chicago Southwest suburban resident. Lovely. So morning discussion stretching the tentacles out to the to the state side. Damn right. Kevin Janowski. This is a really good one. Mm. Let me let me focus. I can read it. Why does Melbourne and the original VFL clubs continue to own the footy? The grand final should be spread throughout Australia. The MCG does not need subsidising. Taxpayer funds should go to a vote. Promote the sport worldwide will be a start. We'll put a pin in that. And then he says, like the Super Bowl in the States, the grand final should be spread out. Um, and he's saying that the Jacksonville Jaguars owner, Shard Khan mm-hmm. uh, is looking to take the team to London. He's played a lot of games in London. Okay, uh, a championship game there would bring in mega ratings and mega cash because the NFL is smart about how they do their business. Thank yeah. you, Kevin. That is really and if you really well put. If you talk to West Australian and South Australian football fans in particular, they'll still reference the the Victorian mafia. Basically, it's still well, it the is VFL. One. Yeah. Um, and there is one that you know they make no bones about it, really, no. because the Victorian government have. I mean, you talk to our West Australian and South Australian friends. If your governments are willing to basically give the AFL millions, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of property, of access, of uh, ground upgrades, and all that for absolutely nothing, yes, the reason why they can, got you can probably property. you can probably have the grand final in your state as well. But I think. It's, Whilst whilst the AF oh, sorry whilst the MCG still holds a hundred thousand fans compared to to other grounds not being able to hold that yeah many, we're past that that's though. we're past that you re- you reckon yeah oh let's hold it at the biggest ground no it should it should be going around the country I quite like that idea no nah, I think it should be at the biggest every ground, every but... major city in the league has a ground that could manage a grand final ah. Oh. Gold Coast and GWS might not be able to. Well, they Gold but, Coast just managed an entire Commonwealth Games, Andrew. So I think they can deal with the grand final. It was a wonderful. Something wonderful tells me. Something tells me that the Gold Coast won't be worrying. Won't be needing that. Yeah, no, I think that's that's somewhere where we disagree on the. I think that it's it's the best ground, the best footy ground in the. Well, actually, no. Oh, look, it works because oh, yeah. same thing. FA Cup Wembley. Yeah, that's what you think of so, AFL Grand Final MCG. Hey, doesn't matter. It's not a really big deal, but I think it would be good. It's probably a better marketing opportunity. But the suits will always win, and the suits want the surrounds of the Melbourne Cricket Ground and a trip to Melbourne yeah, in the bargain. Exactly. Last two are both about the off-field administration. Mm-hmm. Obsessive compulsive says depends on what you're measuring or expecting for a sporting competition. A level playing field and transparency are bare minimum standards that the AFL continually fails to ensure. Therein lies the crisis, in my opinion. But don't expect those with the power to relinquish it willingly. I could not have said that better. We could not have said that better. So you, there's a couple of things. The fixture is one thing where it's just not it's not equal at all. It's and it not never will be. You've got to let that go. No, I will not. <laughs> Make it play each other once or play each other twice. I, I quite like the idea of a once once around season. Yep. Home yeah. one year, away the next year. Yeah. So and the the, the other. Um, the other side of that is things that we've seen this week with the, the tribunal and inconsistencies mm. there and then the AFL challenging its own system. Yeah. Well, well, they brought in they brought in the one-man uh, match review committee in the form of Michael Christian to remove 
uh, inconsistencies. inconsistencies. The howler, as you'd say, like every video replay, it's brought in to eliminate the howler yeah. and just brings on more howling. Oh yeah, and especially from Geelong fans. That's a whole. That's a whole other podcast we could get into. And the final one, which is in the same vein, Dave Brown. No, but its biggest problem isn't game style; it's shit administration. going to talk some cricket, but whenever I think of cricket, particularly in the last 24 months, it's thinking of, it's called Glenmore Park Cricket Club, who have set up a video camera on the boundary just to capture good, terrible, amusing moments. And that has been picked up on by our good friends at theraw.com.au, and they themselves have put a call out to people to send through their best uh, club sporting moments. You know what? Let's do a live read commercial. Oh, okay. Do you That's like a, it? That, that sounds completely unplanned. Completely un- spontaneous, mm. because, Andrew, round four of the Club Raw Awards are now open. Just like Glenmore Park, you can submit your videos for the chance to win a share of $10,000. That's right. The Raw, Australia's largest sports opinion website, is giving away $10,000 to local sports players. All you need to do is send a video of you playing grassroots sports to Club Raw. Doesn't need to be... Wacky or anything like that can be something good happening. Good young yeah. kid coming through the juniors doing something well. I'd actually any pre- sport, any I'd, video, doesn't matter. I'd prefer it to be something good. I'm sick of watching yeah, people uh, run around and drop easy catches. Yeah. I can do we that. We get on it. The we get it. The fat guy left it and got bowled. Yeah. 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 So give, us, give us something decent. The Raw will promote the video on Club Raw and also put you in the running for the Club Raw Awards. Ten grand on the line. Find out more by searching Club Raw on your internet browser or go to www.theraw.com.au and look under the tab that says more. So we've talked about fat blokes running around and dropping catches and leaving balls. And <laughs> Enough about our cricket career. Exactly. But let's look at the more professional cricketers. And everyone knows what happened with the Australian cricket team recently. And there was need for change at the top, both in captaincy, vice-captaincy and coaching circles. Mm. Tim Payne has yes. come in as captain and has retained that that moniker, that title for the near future. Um, but there's been a new coach. Well, it's interesting you say they wanted new change up and down the ladder. So names have changed, but uh, roles and philosophies probably haven't. Maybe Tim Payne is the only one that is a significant departure from whoever, from Steve Smith. And the general leadership team. He's a a huge huge departure. Yeah, so we have Justin Langer coming in from Western Australia. Uh, Nuggety opener who was well known for a fight. He scrapped, he fought for every run he ever got. Um, He was a bloody good cricketer to watch. He was good fun to watch. He wasn't, what was it, traditional in the way he went about things. No, no. I can can remember watching, I think he made a 50-odd in his first... uh, first test or second test or something like that against the best West Indies lineup yep. in the 90s. Yep. Um, that was really, really good. And so he's he's been brought in after Darren Lehman has left to bring a bit more 
stability and structure to the setup. What do you make of it all? Well, I think that it's interesting that they've once again gone with a former Australian player as the coach and someone from that golden era as well, the Hayden Langer, Pontin War, War, Martin, mm. Gilchrist um, the big, era. The big fundamental thing here, though, is the cultural change, isn't it? Does, that's does, what they Justin, want. does Justin Langer bring that cultural change to the Australian cricket team? He says that he's going to. What do you say? Well, I can't tell until... Oh, until... Yeah, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, you were is on the he, fence before. Is he going to do it, Andrew? I reckon, I, honestly, I think he will. I think that, yes, he was a little bit of a, a pest, a little bit of a sledger in his time. But when, you, when you're a coach... You don't really get the opportunities to to little give flyby sledges as he could when he was walking past batsmen out on the field. So is he going to be the man who says to the team, no more of this crap about turning stump mics off, pull your heads in, play the game straight and hard and fair? I hope because he is. I think I, a lot I, of eyebrows were raised when Langer was appointed because he is comes from exactly like you've pointed out he oh, comes yeah. from exactly the same school as Lehman and all the other people well yeah there's an uh, an article from 11 years ago where after Justin Langer had uh, had suggested that sledging should be stamped out in English domestic cricket the Australian captain at the time said there must be two Justin Langers in the world I think I don't know what's happened happened there but I know the little fella was never too far away from it if something was going on that's that was him as a player mm. And I think that he's, as a coach of the WA uh, test, uh, Shield side, the WA T20 side, I think that he's shown that he's got a philosophy of... Well, he's got a philosophy probably... He's definitely got the tactical now. Because yeah. WA have, have dominated the Big Bash, basically. Yeah, and they've been able to keep all of their players yeah. as well, which is interesting. But... Um, I, th- I think that he will. Now, AJ, you're going to bring up something that he said very, very recently about the ball tampering, aren't you? There was a quote, and I don't like this. Just an interesting take. Yep. He was asked if he would uh, if he would tamper with the ball in the way that, uh, oh, what's his name, Bancroft yep. and Warner tamper with the ball, like sandpaper and all that. Now, we, we weren't talking about sandpaper, but he was asked, yep. would you tamper with the ball? And he said, I'm just trying to scroll down and have a look at it here. If, if I was asked, then I would. Yeah. Yes. So isn't that just what you need from your uh, brand new coach who's been brought in to change, to change the, the culture. culture and uh, knock off bad behavior, dirty tactics and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. yeah. Here we go. I would have tampered too if I was ordered to. Yes. Now, uh, to be fair, the rest of that sentence was, but the people I played under wouldn't have asked me to do it. Um, but still, I don't know. Yeah, yeah but so why don't you that say... Made, that made news because it was reported by Sky Sports Cricket over in the UK, hence the raising higher of all of these eyebrows. So I think hard-nosed, he's a massive disciplinarian, regardless of his sledging when he was a player. I think that he has grown, he's learnt the, the way to, to bring a team together and I think that he'll do quite a good job in conjunction with Tim Payne. Well, let's hope so. There's a bit of time to go, and uh, we'll find out.
AJ, I've got a few topics that I would like to to throw out there and just get your thoughts on. Ooh, fast five. Yeah, right. yes. So, so, yeah, sort of fast five. And you asked earlier to give you a little hint, and yes. I said Kevin. Kevin, all right. Kevin O'Brien, the Irish cricketer who <laughs> scored a century in Ireland's very first test match. They played the over the last few days against Pakistan. They didn't get off to the best start. Um, they they had they had Pakistan two for thirteen. That was good. Pakistan nine declared for three hundred and ten, and then Ireland were all out for one hundred and thirty. And I was like, oh, this is not going to end well. Yeah, they were asked. Happen. They were asked to follow on. The openers put on seventy, and then. Kevin O'Brien made 118 off 217 balls. He's not a stylish cricketer. He's not flashy. He just plays very good cricket when it's required. His best innings have all come for Ireland. He's got a mediocre first-class record, but it was just an absolutely brilliant effort. And then in the second innings, they... They did have, Ireland did have Pakistan at three for 14, chasing 160. Yeah, I saw that. I saw, yeah, I was... (laughs) I would, like everyone else, I was on the uh, Packies are going to tank this <laughs> train. Oh, AJ, you're better <laughs> but, uh, than that. that. Ireland have got a few good scalps over the journey in their cricket cricket career. Yeah, yeah. Well, a, if a country can have a career, but yeah. The 07 World Cup, they beat, they beat Pakistan. They beat England as well in a World Cup. But what I'm hoping is that when Australia goes over to, to do the Ashes, they do at least one test match. They play at least one test match against Ireland, and also they have a, a rethink of the fact that they cancelled a test match against Bangladesh or a test series against Bangladesh because the only way these teams are going to get better is if they're exposed to, to high-level high level cricket. That's true, but the uh, cricket committee don't like doing that. Mm. Oh, well, that, that leads me on to another cricket-related one, and it's Mark cricket? Waugh. Jeez, there's a lot of cricket going. Mark Waugh, who has... Dropped himself as selector. He said, I don't want to be a selector anymore. He is going to be part of the television commentary for the, the new next wave of, of TV cricket sports rights. But he has said, now that he's not a selector, he can do this, that India is holding test cricket back. <laughs> They're holding back the future of the game. Um, so, and it's around the, the day-night test. He's saying it's a bit selfish from India's point of view because we need to revitalise test cricket. Day-night test cricket in some countries is going to be one of those ingredients that could transform test cricket back to where it should be. Is it a bit rich for someone who's involved at the highest levels of Cricket Australia who just cancelled a tour from Bangladesh to Australia to say that India are holding test cricket back? Well, that's cheeky. Cheeky at best. Mm. What do India care, though? They're making literally billions of dollars from cricket in the country, so... They're not going to care if they play a day-night test away from home or not. They're never going to play one in India. No, and I believe, I was listening to the Sounding Board podcast, Craig Hutchison was saying that something like 81 cents in the global dollar, the global cricketing dollar, comes from India. Yeah, and the rest of us are all just bowing down to them. Grabbing our bellies. Yeah, very true. What's next? So I thought that was interesting. Mark Waugh, he's stepped down from being a selector and gone, now I can finally have my say. Rugby World Cup qualifying, Russia have qualified for the 2009 Rugby World Cup. 2009? 2019. Oh, right. Rugby World Cup. I was going to say, that's impressive. Do you know why <laughs> they have? 
Oh, I vaguely recall. Tell us, tell us. Romania, Spain, and Belgium were all docked points for repeatedly using ineligible players during the qualifying tournament. So they remodeled the qualification process, and Russia... Went to went through. advance to the the tournament in Japan. Oh wow! To play their second appearance uh, after I think they were in New Zealand in 2011. They lost all of their games. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> and and also it gives Germany another chance to to qualify for for the World Cup as well. Thank God. So, how on earth can professional national rugby teams, Romania, Spain, and Belgium, consistently and repeatedly use ineligible players? Well, a lot of the time, uh, they're not as well run as your local rugby or rugby league club. Andrew doesn't really, yeah, just not good. It's just not, it's just, just not it's good. just not good. Speaking of what is good, Hafthor Bjornsson, he won the world's strongest man. He's is the, that the guy who's on Game of Thrones? Yes. Yeah. All right. yeah. He's massive. He's Fun, a, he's funnily a, enough, he's absolutely huge. Yeah. He's something, oh, it's, it's 200 and, Oh, 209 centimetres and God knows how how strong. So it's, not not dissimilar to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the first time that he's won the world's strongest man. Now, do you watch the world's strongest man tournaments? Yeah, I quite like the world's strong. It's a guilty pleasure. They are I quite like it. Awesome. <laughs> I, it, it is insane. So Hafthor Bjornsson has come second the last two years and has been in the top three since 2012. Finally, finally he won his his very first. <laughs> but it, I, I just love how they come up with these things. It's like, oh, okay, well, yes, you've, you've done pulling a truck. Uh, now pull a now pull an aeroplane. Lift the giant concrete ball if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, pop it on that, uh, on that barrel. <laughs> so he just insane. If anyone has not seen... The world's strongest man. Do yourself a favour. It is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And the last one. It's not. It's not great. Oh, it's right. Lucas Glover. He's a golfer. AJ. Yeah. He didn't oh, have, golf. Good. He didn't have a very good round in the most recent tournament that he played in. Oh well. So, is he all right? No, he's not actually. Oh. Because he got home and his wife violently attacked him due to his poor showing at the Players' <laughs> Championship. Really? Krista Glover was arrested on battery charges wow. at a home that they rented. She oh. is accused of causing bodily harm when she forcefully attacked the 2009 US Open winner and her mother-in-law oh, wow. in front of their two children. Wow. And the, the golfer himself, Jeez. Lucas Glover, said... Um, Lucas told that, yeah, when he plays a bad round of golf, Krista, his wife, proceeds to start an altercation with him and telling him how he is a loser and a pussy. Good Lord. <laughs> so, you Jeez. think that golf is boring, AJ. And that, that was that, a- That's not golf. That's, that's out, that's outside the ropes or whatever the hell they call it in golf. <laughs> for, for, for people who aren't, for people who aren't regular listeners, golf is rubbish. Um, <laughs> Andrew loves golf. I, I do love golf. I'm the opposite. Uh, that's, wow. Yeah, beaten up by your missus because you stunk it up on the course. There'd be yeah, not, probably not just... probably millions of fellas going home of a weekend. How'd you go, honey? Oh, everything was great. Yeah, really good. Hit really it good. really well. Yeah. Chip, chipped in on every hole. A lot of greens. But it in wasn't regulation. just him. It was his mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law as well. Well, yeah, well, look, 
Maybe some front of the kids. Deep seated things coming to the top. Holy moly! <laughs> right, before I, we go. Oh, okay. Before we go, yes, we have to acknowledge Cameron Smith retiring. Oh, yes, retiring, the great. retiring from representative rugby league. That being Queensland State of Origin and the Australian team. Uh, he's forty-two matches for Queensland. Half of them, he's been captain. Missed one game since two thousand and three. Since his debut. Since his debut. Scored a, scored a try on his debut. I remember that because he was a little whippet when he started out. Yeah. Um, I used to see him around the traps where I used to live. And he's, yeah, he looks like they, they nicknamed they, they nickname him the accountant because he looks like um, <laughs> he was, yeah, he was a graduate accountant <laughs> yeah. when he used to live around. Um, 26 origin victories. That's nearly what I'll go to him. I'm a quick maths. That's 13, 12. 12. I don't know what you're talking about. 12 series. 12 series. Probably. Yeah, thereabouts. Well, because New South Wales only won one of the last Maths They've won 11 of the last 12. He played so he's been involved in all of those. It's incredible. The, the hooker position is pretty... Is someone who's really resilient, usually. They lay a lot usually, of tackles as well. They make a truckload of tackles in a game. It's usually up around 40. Yeah. So they're making six or seven sets of tackles on their own. And they're also controlling how they their control, team's playing. They control the speed of the ball from the ruck after a tackle uh, and who it goes to and how quickly it gets to them, um, which is why if you've got a good hooker, your team's really, really on the front foot um, when it comes to attack. But you've got to salute Cameron Smith. I mean, he's played 56 tests for Australia, uh, World Cup winning captain. So is he retired from tests as well? All yeah. representative all or re- just all, repre- all representative? All representative. Um, People don't like him, but we'll get into that later in the year because that's if this isn't a sign that he's going to pull the pin at the end of the Melbourne Storm season, then I don't know what is. True. Um, but just a quick acknowledgement of the what he's been able to put together in the origin field especially, especially with guys like Cooper Cronk and Jonathan Thurston and, and Matt Scott and those guys. And, and, and also, AJ, it is a good pointer to your weekly article on theraw.com.au. Queensland are origin underdogs now. I don't think so. Yeah, good bit of fun, that one. Head to theraw.com.au. Have a look for that. It's good. Leave a comment. Have a go. Have a bit of fun. Can I, can I read the, the opening sentence? Because I quite liked it. Uh, go for it. So the great Cameron Smith is gone, and millions of people in bright blue Afro wigs breathe a huge sigh of relief. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Blasey's Blues hats. Will we wrap it up there? That all, that will do us, AJ. How can people get in contact with us if they would like to? If you're on the Twitter, go to at ASD underscore radio. If you're on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. If, you, if you're on general internet and you don't like handing over your details to multinational corporations, go to a sporting discussion.com.au, our brand spanking new website. Yes. I'd also like to give a shout out to new uh, people, new contributors this week, Justin Carney, Kevin Janowski from Chicago yeah. and Obsessive Compulsive. So always good to get new blood listening and uh, getting involved. So at ASD underscore podcast, facebook.com slash the sporting discussion underscore or radio underscore radio, radio, ASD underscore radio or the website of sporting discussion dot com and dot com dot au. AJ, yes. Now, let's get out. B- oh. before we get out, I want to get out. Uh, you got to spruik your Monday morning three triple R one hundred two point seven FM here in Melbourne or streaming services. Sports report. Sports report seven fifteen AM Monday mornings on a triple R and 
Yes, tune in on your crystal radio set or on your internet or on whatever it may be that you listen. You can even listen back. Yeah, get it, get the Triple R app if radio you want. Radio on demand. Yeah. But, and, and also, obviously, AJ, everyone, as we've said, should go to theraw.com.au. Yep. Read your article, comment on your article, tell you how right or wrong you are. Yeah, let's have a Barney. Oh, what if I agree with you? then we will embrace. (laughs) All right, let's get out of here. See you next week. Bye, everyone.